A commentary on the Passion according to the Gospel of Matthew. Reading from Bonnie Bowman Thurston's book, Wait, Hear, and Watch. We read from Matthew chapter 27, verses 41 through 45. And we will begin reading verses 41 through 43. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. The next group of mockers are the priests, scribes, and elders who precipitated the whole gory sacrifice. While it is unlikely that such persons would have been on Golgotha at Passover time, Matthew's notation that they are here serves to intensify Jesus' suffering by underlying, underlining his separation and rejection from his own people and religious heritage. Their taunts, if you are the Christ, the Son of God, echo the very words of Satan to Jesus in the wilderness. The irony is, of course, that Jesus' enemies speak the truth. They taunt, if God loved, God would save. This is what God is exactly doing. Jesus is saving others. The priests, scribes, and those educated in the law have not understood the point of the, the reversals that Jesus proclaimed would characterize the kingdom of God. The mighty will be put down. The last will be first. The servant will be the leader. He who suffers and dies will be he who saves. Satan was right. Jesus could have called down legions of angels to rescue him, but by an act of will he chose to die. Had he saved himself, humanity would have been lost. This is the act of love we commemorate with bread and wine. This is the selflessness to which we are called in the fellowship of his table. Matthew chapter 27 verse 33 and 44, excuse me, 38 and 44. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And the robbers who were crucified him also reviled him in the same way. Finally, the robbers crucified Jesus, reviled him in the same way. Matthew's characteristic use of chi to mean even makes them the most despicable in the list of mockers. Even transgressors with whom Jesus was numbered, whose sins he was bearing, taunted him. The word translated robbers, lastai, may also mean revolutionary, in which case these men may have been in league with Barabbas so that Jesus' conviction hastened their own death. Luke's expansion of this incident softens it somewhat. 
One criminal taunts Jesus, the other defends the Lord's innocence and begs for his mercy. Compassionate even in his own agony, Jesus promises, Today you will be with me in paradise. Here at the cross, at the bitter end of his life, Jesus shows us that it is never too late. As long as we have breath, the possibility remains that we can confess Jesus as Christ and join him in paradise. The sophistication of theology may argue against deathbed or foxhole confessions, but certainly as the thief on the cross dramatically shows, it is better than no change of heart at all. Earl Marlott's hymn poses a crucial question for us. Are you able to remember when a thief lifts up his eyes that his pardoned soul is worthy of a place in paradise? Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. The sixth hour of the day is noon. The ninth hour is 3 o'clock p.m., the period of time when, in the Mediterranean world, the sun should be high. For the pagans and Roman soldiers in Jerusalem, a darkness at noon would have been the portent of a death of a great person. Both the prophets Amos and Jeremiah speak of of a catastrophe under the figure of darkness at noon. In a scene of punishment of Jerusalem, Jeremiah describes the sun going down while it is day. Amos describes God's displeasure, and on that day I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. From Amos chapter 8, verse 9. The darkness over the earth is no mere eclipse. It is a sign of God's wrath. John's gospel illuminates the symbolism of the scene even more. There Jesus announces, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As long as Jesus is in the world, he is the light of the world. Now, as the light of life is about to be extinguished by sinful men, the world is shrouded in a cosmic darkness. Just as it is dark when Judas goes out to betray Jesus, so it is dark when Jesus is forsaken by God. But this is not the end of the story. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The shrouded gloom of Good Friday is utterly and forever dispersed by the brilliant light shining forth from the empty tomb on the first day of the week. We gather this first day of each week to commemorate the saving act of our Lord. The action that assures us of salvation is most clearly set before us on the table in the form of bread and wine. Each time the bread is broken and the cup is poured out, we reaffirm that thanksgiving. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. 